Hi, thanks for joining me for week three of our series, At the Table. One of the things that I think is wondrous and wonderful about the Lord Jesus is how many times he sat down at a table and did miraculous things. Well, today, the text that we want to take a look at and the table that we want to sit at with the Lord Jesus is at a wedding. Now, uh, you're already thinking, I know if you know your Bible, well, this is Jesus's first miracle, and you're right. But the miracle is more than water into wine. The miracle comes with the presence of Jesus at the wedding. Now, every meal, it seems like Jesus had, that is at least recorded, is either A, with the disciples where he's teaching them, or B, it's with notorious sinners. Now, this is part of what makes the text beautiful, is that Jesus gives us a picture of what he sees as important. Now, don't miss this because this is kind of the early overarching teaching here that what Jesus teaches us is twofold. One, Jesus is teaching us that when you have a meal, enjoy it, but let it be purposeful. Make sure that the people you love most that's sitting at the table, make sure there's a purposeful time to love them convey to them that you love them and give them an opportunity to talk with you. But secondly, Jesus described that the people that you're willing to let come to your table says so much about you. Listen to what the text says. And this is in John chapter two in the first 11 verses. The text says on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. So Mary is there, Jesus is there. This must be a big deal. When the... Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. Okay, now Jesus is there. His 12 guys are there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. Clearly, this is a big deal wedding. Now, I've had three weddings in my family, and I've been the guy that has both footed the bill and preached the sermon. And you know what I've realized? Weddings are awful. They're just awful. It is the biggest stinking deal on the planet. If you don't believe me, wait till you have a daughter that gets married. You know what I'm blessed for? I have six of them. I have at least three more weddings. Lord, help me. Would you pray for me right now? Okay, I'm off track. Let's go back. Jesus is there with his disciples and his mom. In verse three, it says, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Now that's a lot of water, but I don't want you to miss this one statement. Jesus, in response to Mary, his mom, says, woman, Now, he only addresses his mom this way two times in the scripture, once at his first miracle and secondly on the cross. You see, this is kind of a foreshadowing, if you will, because right now this wedding is in need of wine. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Jesus sees more than the need for wine. He's already seeing this as moving toward an act toward the cross. Okay, this is fascinating. Jesus at his first miracle is overwhelmingly foreshadowing the greatest act of kindness. This is how you see every miracle of Jesus, through the lens of kindness. 
I don't know of any time in our world that we have in great, been in greater need of kindness than today. Let's take a look at what else is going on here. There are the, this wine that has run out at the wedding. Now, folks, listen, the way we see a wedding and the way they saw a wedding is radically different. For us, it is an event that happens on a day and it usually has a rehearsal the night before, then it has a rehearsal dinner, and then you have the event, then you have the pictures, and then you have a reception, and the couple leaves, and we're done. For the most part, it's in about 36 hours. A wedding there could last as long as a week or more. I mean, these people knew how to party, and they got after it. And what we find here is that the, the host has run out of wine. Now, in that day to run out of wine, this would just be overwhelmingly bad, bad karma, man. I mean, they were whacked out. You see, wine was a representation not only of how much the host wanted to celebrate the daughter and the new couple, wine was extraordinarily known as the picture of God's blessing on the family. So to run out of wine would be to say to all the community that come for this week-long event that God was not blessing and they were in trouble already. I've done a few weddings where I thought they're going to be a bumpy road before, but nothing like this. Now, I don't know if Mary, the mother of Jesus, had something to do with planning the wedding, but I know this. She knew who to go to, so she goes to her son and says... I need you to fix this. And then the text says there are these big vessels that have about 30 gallons of water in each. Now, the, the beautiful thing happens in verse 7. Jesus says to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then they pour the poor wine. <laughs> so if you think about it, they have this deal when everybody's perfectly sober, you get the good stuff. As you continue to get a little buzz on, you get the Boone's Farm. I mean, what in the world, right? Now, let me just stop and say here, Jesus made the good stuff. Now, I'll never forget as a kid, I remember hearing a Baptist preacher say, you know, Jesus didn't make the fermented wine. He just made a high quality grape juice. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. He made the good stuff. No Mogan David, man. He broke out the, the, the $100 bottle stuff. And they're saying like, who would do that? Nobody would do that. But now... This is really good. In verse 11, it says, This, the first sign, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You see, this isn't really about wine. This isn't really about water. This is about the presence of God in the form of Jesus showing up and describing and then showing what happens when Jesus gets at the table. Amazing things happen, friend, when you let Jesus get at the table. Well, Jesus was at this table and his mom knew who to go to. And then she said to the servants, go do whatever he said. 
Here's a question for us today. If somebody said to us, you know what, Chuck, go do whatever he said. I wonder how well I would do. The servants went and did whatever he said. And by doing so, created and saw the manifestation of God at work in this first miracle, all pointing to the cross. It was a local custom. It was an elaborate affair. But I want you to hear what the Book of Common Prayer described it as, and I want to quote this. Jesus beautifies and adorns the state of matrimony by his presence and first miracle that he wrought at Cana of Galilee. Jesus came to the party. When everyone would think, you know, okay, this is the part of the party that the preacher leaves for. I mean, when you start dancing a little funky and the preacher leaves for that part, Jesus stayed. He was in the midst of the party. Jesus was in the midst of the celebration. Friend, listen, let your celebrations be worthy of Christ. Let your celebrations be worthy of recognizing that he beautifies and adorns your marriage. In those days, as I mentioned, this, this would have been a big deal. This wedding and everything surrounding it, it, it was more than an event. It was God had come to the party. Jesus came to do, in verses 1 through 5, and especially in verse 4, he came to do something that was extraordinary. Don't miss this. There's two things going on. What Jesus came to do and also what Jesus came to bring. What Jesus came to do, he speaks what sounds harshly to his mom, but it's not. It's actually a term of endearment and respect. Woman, what is this to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but this is in the midst of Jesus's preoccupation. Please stay with me here for just a minute. Jesus's preoccupation at this point, at this first miracle, isn't about wine, isn't about water, isn't about the wedding, and isn't about the celebration. It is about he has come now and his hour has yet to be fulfilled because his hour will be fulfilled when he cries woman again on the cross. Already out, he's seeing and knowing every step of the way, including the celebration, he's the one pointed to the cross. There was indeed a preoccupation going on in Jesus's mind here. Here at the wedding feast, verse 11 says, he first revealed his glory and once more at the cross where the glory was climatically revealed in his self-giving love. He speaks of Mary as woman, or it might sound in our vernacular like this, dear, dear mother. That's how you would hear this. So the coming hour for the great work of salvation, that's what the hour is he's talking about. He's not talking about, I haven't come to do watered wine. It's not a trick. It is a foreshadowing of his miraculous work that would happen on the cross, but it would start here. It was the hour appointed by the Father in which the love of Jesus for sinners like you and me might reach its fullest expression. That is why he came the hour, he says, is not yet. Friend, it is coming. I wonder in your life, what is it that's headed your way? I wonder what you're in the middle right now of that you're going to need Jesus at the celebration. You will need Jesus to perform a miracle like wine and water, or you might be right now in need of Jesus as your savior as he hangs on the cross. 
the central focus of all of Jesus's life and ministry from first to last was the accomplishment of the great plan of God to reconcile us to him. Here's the celebration of the marriage in this little village of Cana. He's looking already to Golgotha and the cross, and he's focused on that. That was his great preoccupation. The question I think we need, we need to ask ourselves today is, is the cross of Jesus our great preoccupation? As you ponder on that, let's take just a break, but don't, don't walk away. Join us in this worshipful song where we can point our hearts toward the cross. Bend me to my knees, Lord, I 
Welcome back. What a beautiful song. I, I love to worship to that song. I just had a little party myself, and I hope you did. Let's go back to this preoccupation that Jesus had, though. I mean, here's what Jesus came to do. He came to die for you and to make you his own precious family member. You see, families gather at the table. And at the table, Jesus says, come with me. Come join me. Come sit at my table and watch the miraculous things that I'll do in your life. They needed wine, but what they really needed was Jesus. Today, you may think what you need is another job or greater education or a break. You, you may think, I need a new family or I need a fresh start. But at the end of the day, what we all need, no matter what we perceive our need to be, we need Jesus to sit at our table. And let me just say to you, Jesus is more than willing and will always agree to sit at the table. The question is not, will he? The question is, will you invite him to sit at your table and recognize he is the son of the living God. That's what Jesus came to do. But watch this. Let's see what Jesus came to bring. In verses 6 through 11, we kind of see what Jesus is coming to bring at the party and at the table. Jesus, it turns out, isn't indifferent to the problem. He says, dear, dear mother, it's not time for me yet. But yet, in respect for her, he goes ahead. And he takes what was designed for ceremonial washing. I, I want you to know that in COVID-19, we take hand washing seriously. At this wedding, this was ceremonial. Uh, these, these two big vats of 30 gallons or so each, they were, they were for people who were religious and for the most part, self-righteous. And it was a show of how they washed their hands. There wasn't anything special about the water except the show that they turned it into. I think it's interesting that Jesus took something that the religious leaders created to be religious and he turned it into miraculous. But let's be careful that we don't get caught up in the religious. Let's stay on the side of miraculous. Jesus came and without any word, without any display, I want you to know what happens. Who is it Jesus uses to accomplish this miracle. Now you might could say, well, it was his mother. He used the servants. He, he didn't choose somebody who could get great credit for it. He chose someone who was lowly. He chose someone that wouldn't look for credit, but would point to him. Today, my friend, if Jesus is sitting at your table, he's asking you to step into servanthood with him. You see, the miracle that comes points to being served. The miracle comes not to just being someone who receives, but someone who gives. Jesus in another time said, if you wanna be great, you must become a servant. And here he chooses to use servants to accomplish his first miracle. I wonder if you see this message in this hinge of history that everything pivots upon Jesus's appearing and his person and the work symbolized here in water to wine, mature wine, that Jesus willed into being. It's not as though he, he did a trick. Jesus willed this into being because he was at the beginning, he will be at the end. He was when there was nothing, and he will be when everything is gone. Jesus, the Alpha and Omega, stepped in, and he made a beautiful mess of victory. Maybe your life is a mess today. Maybe it's a disaster. 
I want you to know Jesus comes to sit at the table to turn your mess into something beautiful. I've had seasons in my life that was just a mess. I've had seasons where I've totally blown it. I've made poor decisions. I've ruined relationships. I, man, if, if anybody knows failure, I'll promise you, I know failure up close. But I know this, post every failure, Jesus has found a way to sit at the table with me, scoot up close to me, put his arm around my shoulders, and say, Chuck, let's take that mess and let's turn something magnificent around. I, I don't know about you, but I'm never gonna get over that. I will, I'll never grow too old to forget how, what Jesus means to me. Here's what Jesus has done in my life, and I believe with all my heart, the scriptures teach us, he wants to do in your life. He brings joy, then he brings joy today. See, th this is, they were in the midst of a need. There's no package store they could go to. There's, there's, no, there's no wine shop they can search for this. They're just in a mess. And they're about to be literally in legal trouble. Did you know that the family pitching the party, if they ran out of wine, if it wasn't an elaborate enough affair, that they literally could be sued by the other party because they didn't show enough honor? I mean, come on, that's crazy. So here's Jesus at the wedding feast. The sights and the sounds of joy are all around him and then gone. But what does Jesus do? He returns joy. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the son of the living God, actually provides a very tangible blessing and he wants to do that for you as well today. It, it, this isn't just a history book. This is the living word of God that today, as it enters into your heart, goes to work, stirring your heart to recognize, I need Jesus. And the picture of this wine calls for us to drink from him and go to him. Gone forever is the pomp and the circumstance of religion, of fake righteousness. Now Jesus ushers in a new covenant and joy awaits those that trust him and follow him. This is the teaching. Oh Lord, our God, how we praise you. For our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Let that be your prayer today. Would you pardon us of our sin? Would you sit at our table? Would you take our water and turn it into wine? Would you take our mess and do something miraculous? I don't know about you, friend, but when I read the text, I think to myself, Lord, I need you to restore the joy of my salvation. I've been a believer now for 50 years, and I'm still learning the amazing and marvelous work of Jesus, my Savior. I look back and I think of hundreds of times that I didn't deserve it, I couldn't earn it, but Jesus sat down at the table and we had a chat and he took a mess and he did something marvelous in my life with it. I would encourage you, friend, if you've been a believer for a hundred years, You've never needed Jesus more than you do right now. But maybe you're one of those folks like I was 50 years ago that desperately needed Jesus to do the miraculous work of not just water into wine, but death into life. Woman, my hour has not come. Dear, dear mother, my hour has not come. But the next time he would say that, it did.
when Jesus looks from the cross to Mary and says, Mother, dear, dear mother, behold your son. Friend, listen, that son of the living God came off of that cross and was placed in that cold, borrowed tomb. And the world had lost every hope. The world had lost everything that it had just believed in. And blackness covered the land. There was a darkness. There was a weight that could not be overcome. And three days later, though, the light began to shine out just as the rock was being rolled away. Can you imagine the beams of light like a sun set behind a dark cloud? The light begins to shine and it's almost like water into wine again as the light steps out of that tomb alive. Yes, nail prints in his hands and feet and a place for a spear in the side, but life had come from death. Wine had come from water. And he did that so that you could say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come live in my life. I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you. And thank you for dying for me and raising from the death for me. And I know it's my sin that caused you to have to do that. But thank you. Step into my life and take my mess and do a miraculous work in it. Jesus, I know you can. I know you will. Let me pray for you, friend. God, thank you that today... The message of how you turn water into wine is a picture of how you turn our mess into something miraculous. And you chose to do that at the table, at a festive event, at a celebration. Many of us today, Lord, we're not sitting at a celebration. We're sitting in a mess. Lord, I'm grateful you'll still come sit at our table and you'll still take our mess and turn it into miracles. God, do that in our life today. And we pray that in the wondrous name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So friend, today, I encourage you. As a matter of fact, I, I, I want to beg you to let Jesus go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. My friend, that's what he does. Let Jesus go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And my friend, when dark days happen and difficult times have surrounded you, just go ahead and hop on Jesus' back. Wrap your arms around those big, strong shoulders because he's not going to carry you around the problem. Jesus didn't come to keep you out of a mess. Jesus came to walk through the mess with you. Let him walk you through the middle of your mess only to set you down victoriously on your two feet. Wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead. Wrap his loving arms around you so you can hear him say, my child, say it with me, I love you. God bless you, friend. Go in peace. Well, thank you guys so much for watching. We have thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with you all. Hey, I don't want anybody to feel like we may make light of this time. This is definitely a challenging time. And if you ever find yourself in need of prayer, we would love to have some prayer with you. So why don't you go ahead and submit a prayer request in the comments. Or if you feel like being more discreet, you could always email us at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. Guys, we love you all so much. God is on the move and he's not going to stop just because of this. We'll see you guys at 7 on Wednesday for our midweek service. And then we'll all see you next week. Till then, go in peace.